Hello, everyone. Welcome to Notorious SHE, a podcast where women in STEM share their experiences and expertise with the next generation of women in STEM. I'm your host, Gabby Hall. On today's episode, we will be joined by Tia Dubisson, CEO and co-founder of Bell Fleur Technologies. Before she joins us, it's time for our lightning lesson. For today's lightning lesson, we'll be focusing on big data and certifications. What are certifications? Certifications are designated credentials earned by an individual to verify their ability to perform a job. They're useful because obtaining professional certification displays your dedication to the profession and provides verification that you're well-trained to effectively use the tools of your industry. Taking the time and effort to obtain these certifications can show potential employers that you are a valuable contributor to your profession and help you gain recognition for your commitment to continuous learning and self-improvement. They also give you a competitive advantage and increase your earning potential. There are several platforms where you can obtain a certification. You can find a list of links to several credible ones on the Notorious SHE website. You can highlight these certifications on your resumes and LinkedIn pages. Now, what is big data? Big data is a field that treats ways to analyze, systematically extract information from, or otherwise deal with data sets that are too large or complex to be dealt with by traditional data processing application software. Now, in this episode, T is going to go a little bit more in depth on what big data is and how it's used. Some careers you can pursue in big data are data scientist, machine learning engineer, data architect, business intelligence developer, statistician, data analyst, and many more. That concludes our lightning lesson. Now we will be joined by Tia Dubisson, CEO and co-founder of Bell Fleur Technologies. Tia, thank you so much for joining us. For having me here, it's really great to reconnect with you. Um, my name is Tia Dubuisson. As you have mentioned, I am the co-founder and president of Bell Fleur Technologies, and we are a consulting firm that is focused in data and analytics uh, solutions and delivering those uh, to our customers um, and helping them to basically get the most out of the data uh, insights. Like having data is not enough, but actually having actionable, you know, items out of that data or recommendations, that's what everybody wants, right? So taking the the data lake and the data uh, story beyond a buzzword and really making it something that's tangible, actionable, and usable. Awesome. That's so great. Um, could you tell us a little bit about your journey of getting into STEM? Absolutely. So my journey, I guess, into STEM, actually, if we go way back, um, I always thought I would be a lawyer, and I remember um, my summer before going to college, I actually went to intern for a corporate lawyer, and I hated it. <laughs> I thought there was no way, and, and nothing against corporate lawyers. We love lawyers. We have lawyers. Uh, I'm so glad that that's, you know, it's, I think it's important to know what you want to do as, as much as you don't, you know, know what you don't want to do. And I think that summer I found out, okay, I have a lot of respect for lawyers and what they do, but it, I couldn't see myself doing that for the rest of my life, uh, personally. 
So I switched and said, okay, I'm going to go pre-med then. And that's what I did. I switched my major pretty much almost day one. I'm going to school and college. And um, along that path, we had to take obviously multiple classes that are STEM related, you know, along the biological sciences, um, physical sciences, as well as chemistry. And I ran across microbiology and absolutely fell in love with it. And I said, definitely, that's where I want to focus. So instead of going to medical school, I decided to go to grad school uh, for microbiology and really focused on the life sciences, really focused on, um, in my earlier in my career, developing medical devices, actually doing vaccine production, which is a hot item nowadays, and actually doing uh, preclinical um uh, drug discovery work to help to shorten the treatment window for tuberculosis. So I got to dabble in all of those. Um, when I was working and doing uh, my work in, uh, for TB in the lab, there was a group that came and said they had computer software where they could actually show us from our active, they could make a million different compounds with the computer and actually kind of predict activity off of that. And that blew me away because I had never experienced that. And when um, we didn't choose them to actually write the grant, I was kind of disappointed because I really wanted to dabble in that. And it really caught my interest and it never really left my mind. And for a whole year, I thought about that. And I said, you know what? I probably need to make a decision. Am I going to keep working the same analog way? Or am I really, really going to take a look at what, you know, what can, you know, data and computer science and what can that really look like for my career? Is that where it's going? And sure enough, um, had a conversation with the co-founder and he said, absolutely, at that time, uh, we didn't have Bellflare, we were just, you know, I was working for another company and he said, in 10 years, every industry will be data-driven. And sure enough, you're seeing about a decade later, we are here, right? Data is the new bacon, the new oil, the new gold, whatever you want to call it. Um, this is the conversations that we're having across all industries. So here we are. Oh, that's great. And you're absolutely right. I mean, every every industry is data driven. Uh, every industry is a tech industry now. Uh, <laughs> for any listeners who are interested in a career like yours, uh, what do you think is the most important thing that they can learn? The most important thing, I think when I peeled back the onion, I knew that there were some some deficits that I definitely had, especially, you know, although I was in STEM already, and we worked with data, I needed to dive a little deeper and kind of sharpen some skill sets so far as getting, you know, um, certifications. Because when you're talking about data and processing data, um, you really need a lot of compute power. So you're probably looking at cloud computing, definitely. Um, so looking at how can you get some of those, you know, uh, certifications like on AWS or some of the other uh, cloud providers to help you along. There's a ton of content out there to help you do that. Number two, I would say definitely look at um, the process in which these platforms and software are developed. You really want to look at going agile as much as possible. A lot of times that's how software is developed. And I think it's not something that's really taught in school. So it's definitely something you're going to have to go outside of uh, that box to really dive into that. You can also get certifications in that as well, should you want to go more on that side. But you're going to have to know how to work in agile teams to really iterate and innovate and keep up with, you know, the way technology basically seems like every day there's something new that comes out. You want to be able to keep up with that and stay ahead of the curve. So I would say process is super important. But the number one thing would be people. You have to really learn how to um, 
to work with all different types of people to be able to to drive a solution uh, to success over the finish line. So I would say definitely learn some of those skill sets as well. Again, not something you always learn in school. This may be something you have to take offline, but I would definitely say look at uh, people, process, and then platform for sure. Great. So you mentioned uh, AWS. Could you tell us a little bit about what AWS is and what it could be used for? Yes. So Amazon Web Services is um, a cloud provider. They actually, if you think about it, it's the same as our electric uh, power grid, right? They actually have the power grid and we can then, um, you know, just like your, your local maybe FPNL, like for us, we're in Florida, Florida Power and Light. We are then able to um, utilize electricity at the switch of, you know, just flipping a switch in our home and we have electricity or we can switch it off and we only pay for what we use. And you don't have to have a power plant in your backyard. You don't have to maintain and, you know, cool, you know, and, and do all of that, right? You just consume. Um, and that's the same way they've done with compute power. Basically, they've taken compute power and they are the power plant, if you will, of the compute power that you can then say, hey, if I need to spin up, you know, X amount of compute to actually process this amount of data, you're able to do that literally at the click of a button. And when you don't need it anymore, you literally can shut it down instead of owning the whole server farm and doing the cooling, heating, the security, and keeping it, you know, and owning it 100% of the time, whether you're using it or not, it's similar to at your house, you wouldn't keep all your lights on, right? Um, even whether you're home or not, to actually utilize it in every single room. So it kind of has that same concept, if you will, for computing. That's really interesting. Um, so since you are a woman in your field, what do you feel like being, how do you feel being a woman has impacted your career? I would have to say it's been on both sides. I would have to say more positive though than negative. Um, I would have to say, especially during these times, you see a lot of outreach for women, reskilling, um, a lot of diversity, um, you know, initiatives and talks and um, more so than that, actually people putting, you know, some wheels into motion. So I would say now more than ever, you probably can find a good uh, support for women in tech or women in STEM in general, period, um, than probably earlier in, in the career, right? Um, I will say there are still challenges. I, I remember being in a, a meeting with a client and um, my co-founder was also there, who's, who's a male, and basically um, he told me that I probably, you know, we were trying to plan our next steps, and I think it was going to be a meeting that was going to be later in the day and probably going to the evening, and he said, shouldn't you be at home taking care of your kids? <laughs> <laughs> so I just thought it was interesting. I said, I wonder how many other, you know, male customers or counterparts actually feel that if a, a woman, uh, you know, in STEM or just a woman in general is working beyond a certain time that she's not by some means taking care of her kids. Mm -hmm. uh, and how come that was not posed to any of the males in the room, which all of them had kids as well. So I thought that that was really interesting. Uh, mm -hmm. What did the guys called him out actually from his team and said, wow, like you, you really can't say that. But I thought that was really interesting. I mean, I didn't say anything and said, hey, you know, it's I just, I just took it in because I said, you know, I think that's interesting. And then you just have to see it from other people's um, point of view. I, I really like to do that a lot of the time, whether it, you know, I agree with it or not. What prompts that person to feel that that is the right thing to say? And how can we change the narrative on that? I'm always trying to think about it from that lens. So 
I think there's still some challenges, as you can, <laughs> you could imagine. Um, and how many people feel that way and just don't say anything? That could be very interesting as well, too. So, do you feel like as a woman, there's more pressure for you to balance uh, your work life and your home life? I think I felt that earlier on in my career. I think my my children are older now, so you know they're a lot more self sufficient. At the same time, I've also learned work life balance. So even when I didn't have my own company and I was working for others, I still had to, I struggled with that work-life balance. Um, I think, you know, women do feel that extra pressure because there is a lot of that. It's kind of unsaid and sometimes said, as you, you know, we mentioned in meetings um, where they kind of call you out and you're like, wow, you really do start to, you know, question yourself, uh, you know, and ask your kids, I mean, have I been there for you enough? And absolutely. Um, we, but we just make sure that we spend time with our kids um, and balance it across my husband and myself and, you know, even their grandparents getting involved. So we're, we're a tight knit family. So I, I think for myself, I'm blessed in that respect that we're able to parent as a unit and I think incubate the, the children as they're growing up. Um, so I think there are some challenges and I think you have to look at different types of challenges, single mothers, like there's a lot of different pressures that are, that can be out there, but I think there are ways that even within our company that we've tried to address that and make sure that they kind of feel incubated. Although we're a company, we do offer additional, um, you know, benefits and things that help them, you know, with housekeeping and some other items, you know, um, even food, you know, service and, and Grubhub and deliveries and things of that nature. So they feel like, yes, they're still able to get some of their time back so that they can reallocate it to some value added, like, you know, family time and, and help with that work, work life balance and take the stress out of it. Right. We're in it together. Right. We're better together. And that's mm -hmm. that's our story. Absolutely. So going on that, what does community mean to you and how do you feel that community has impacted your career? Wow. Community to me, I think is made up of, of many different players, but definitely you want to have your promoters in there. Um, but dare I say, you also want to have your, your detractors in there. I think they kind of help to add a little you know, there's, there's sometimes a little air of truth, just a little, where you can say, hey, they kind of help you to not look at life with rose colored glasses. You can really take a look at yourself and say, that, you know, are there some things that I could change about myself? So I think they do raise a red flag um, on the play so that way you can actually focus on some of those items and be self-reflective, uh, but not critical of yourself, right? Some people are just, just there, but there are, you know, there are some detractors, you got to have them. They do help to push you sometimes to motivate you. So you don't, you know, just go into autopilot and become a stalemate. You actually, <laughs> you actually start to challenge you in different ways, I'd have to say. But I think the community definitely has to say, you have to have tons of promoters. I would say tons of mentors, advisors. There's no one person that's going to be a mentor for your whole life. So I think you need to look at the different portions of your life and find a really solid mentor that can be there for you. Um, likewise, you're there for them, right? Because it's a benefit when you're able to mentor someone and they actually can apply what you're giving as wisdom. That's a benefit back to that mentor as well as it is for the mentee that's actually able to take that wisdom and run with it and grow. You know, so that's community. It's all of us working together to be our better selves. It's a community allows you to be your human self whatever that looks like um, as you're going from good to great. So you have a safe place to grow as well too. Mm -hmm. 
So speaking about mentors, uh, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received or something that just really stuck with you? Oh, wow. There's so many. <laughs> this is a tough question. <laughs> I've had to think about this one. Um, wow. I think one that stands out from uh, one of my mentors actually was my supervisor, my last boss, uh, my last job, uh, Dr. Reddy, amazing individual. Um, and he said, Tia, if, if they can do it, why can't you do it? So I think sometimes we can uh, look at new challenges as, as that can be daunting at times. And how are we going to get that done? And I remember he just used to encourage me, not with so much of the details of how to do it, but really just that encouragement. And he said, hey, if they can do it, when he says they, if any one person can do it, why can't you do it? Um, and so I think that that always sticks in my mind. If I you know, come across a new business challenge or we're growing into areas and trying to scale in areas that are kind of you know, untapped, I don't really have a mentor that's helping me to cover you know, some of those bases with you know, previous <laughs> knowledge. I always go back to him saying that and with such conviction, he said it in his eyes, it made me believe you know, that absolutely. I mean, we all had to learn how to tie our shoes the first time. So I keep that in the back of my mind whenever I'm moving forward into new territory. Absolutely. I mean, that's fantastic advice right there. So kind of shifting um, from that, uh, one of your focuses is turning big data into business intelligence. Could you talk a little bit about what that really means? Yeah, so that's a great question. So I think what we've found with companies is that they are collecting data, whether it's on spreadsheets, locally on computers, within you know their employees' computers, um, you name it. There's stuff on in databases throughout the company that are maybe owned by different business units that are not speaking to one another. Not for anything negative. It's just the marketing department doesn't necessarily you know talk to the HR department and vice versa. But they all have data that's siloed across that organization, um, and that siloed data is great. But what if we were able to make a single source of truth? And what if, just what if the data that the marketing and salespeople have could actually be married with the customer experience data in the company and we can actually be proactive with maybe some items with customers um, that would help you know, to actually give more promoters to the brand? What do I mean by that? Let's just say that there's somehow an outage. You're an energy company and there's an outage somewhere or for whatever reason, um, there's, there's a shortage in tech support maybe that you only know internally. You know that you're hiring, but the outside world doesn't know that you have a deficit in your tech support department. Well, what if customers you're starting to see prop up and what if you're able to comb through that data and actually have it across customer experience, the sales and marketing team where they have visibility into, we're getting a lot of complaints from an area where we don't have tech support right now. Right now we're hiring for that position or those set of positions. What if we could you know, ward that off by being able to send a very positive message to those customers that have decided they're gonna stop paying their bill because they're not getting the support that they need. Instead of sending them a threatening letter, you know, pay your bill, what if we say, oh, wow, this is probably why they're not paying, and let's just try to be proactive and let them know that we're sympathetic, and how can we, you know, how can we better serve them now that we're, you know, and just be transparent with them. Um, you may find that the customer may like you reaching out in a more positive way, 
they may like it that you actually are talking to one another to actually incubate them from a marketing sales, you know, and just customer experience um, all the way around. So you can kind of get more of a 360 view when you bring those silos of data together and then you start to share them across the organization where you're, you're telling a narrative more so. Instead of just throwing out data points, you're actually then putting the people first, your external customers first when you actually gain actionable insights out of that data to be proactive, I think it just, you know, it raises your, your brand just to the next level. So you'll see a lot of customers now are actually trying to do that instead of having what they call dark data that's in the company, but no one's using it. Now you have companies that are, hi are hiring us to actually help them to make this single source of truth and helping them to consume that, that source of data truth, if you will, that big data. Uh, across their data pipeline to actually then utilize it to build new revenue streams or to build just better customer experiences. So what do you see as the future of big data? Wow, the future of big data, that's a big question. I think there's a lot, I think there's still a lot of digital products that have still been yet to, discover, to be discovered. I think you'll see across transportation and we're already seeing you know, some of that, if you go to a tech conference where they're talking about, you know, autonomous driving and some of these other items, that's that's big data at its finest. So um, you're learning, the computer's learning how to drive. Um, that's a lot of data points that you have to take in <laughs> to be able to then teach that computer to not only drive, but to learn from its mistakes, right? Um, so I think you're gonna see a lot more self-service items um, out of some of these digital products as they're able to utilize the big data that they have and processing it across, you know, these different, um, using these, uh, you know, supercomputers and just, you know, uh, these other server farms, right, that are um, the cloud computing uh, companies are actually then allowing them to take advantage of to, to process this data. And from those insights, they're gonna be teaching the machines to do a lot of things that you're gonna see as self-service items I think you'll see a lot more jobs that are going to open up in different ways. Um, so people are going to have to be um, reskilled as well. So that's something that I'm really passionate about and super excited that Bell Flair is on the front end of helping to reskill and retrain talent um, so they don't fall in this, this gap, right? And be a part of the process. Yeah. So looking forward, what kind of careers do you see opening up? Like, how do you see the industry shifting? And what kind of jobs should people who are, you know, young now, be looking to for the future and you know trying to prepare for now right so i think you'll see a lot of jobs that are are, are manual right where you're working with your hands somehow those will be automated so you'll want to reskill yourself to either uh be the one to program those those uh computers to actually do that so i think you'll see a lot of jobs around data analysts data scientists um you know a lot of computer science kind of background jobs but you'll still need people that have the subject matter expertise across accounting across marketing but i would definitely say you need to pair it with some form of cloud computing or computer science in some way shape or form because no industry is untouched and i think when you can you know start to learn where technology is intersecting with your sector you will then be able to be one of the first movers in that, you know, as they're calling it the fourth industrial revolution or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. um, those, those will be the jobs of tomorrow. <laughs> so you'll still have the same industries. <clears throat> you'll still have the same um, 
internal business units, but they're just going to intersect with technology and you're going to have to be um, comfortable with those self, you know, serve kind of digital products in that manner and reskill yourself to be able to still work in your field, but you're just going to be working from a technological kind of aspect. <clears throat> Yeah. So how do you feel, what do you feel is the role of big data in affecting and enhancing our communities? The role, I think, I think there's a lot to it, right? Big data is a big, it's a big um, subject to tackle. I think as a society, we're going to have to make sure that we have diversity of thought when we approach some of these self-service products because whoever programs the computer is basically going to program everything that they know, including biases there as well. So we mm -hmm. want to make sure as much as possible that we're going to be responsible when we do that. And we make sure that we invite everyone to the table to have an opportunity to give input and a diversity of thought, right? As we're building out, you know, these machine algorithms, machine learning algorithms, or these self-serve products. I think that that's probably the, to me, I think the biggest thing that we probably need to be focused on, and I think we need to do a much better job of making sure that that actually happens. I see a lot of diversity, inclusion, and equity talks. I do see the industry slowly moving towards actioning on um, this, this messaging. Uh, beyond having, you know, nice round table discussions or, or wonderful, you know, uh, speakers come in and that's great. But at the same time, we need to be, I think, just as equally concerned with actually putting, um, you know, reskilling or whatever it takes to put people into those positions to actually action on those, you know, very motivating speaking points. I think that to me in a nutshell, that's going to be huge. I think, um, We'll have to take a look at, I mean, transportation. When you talk about transportation, how is that going to change? I mean, when you look at society, getting from point A to point B is a huge thing. And we go to from point A to point B for many different things and many different reasons. And I think you're going to see a lot of sectors that are impacted. If you look at transportation, we're looking at a lot of electrification. How is that impacting then, you know, gasoline and, you know, fossil fuels and like the energy sector? that's going to be huge transformation. So looking at those jobs, reskilling yourself um, to even take those jobs on that are around different forms of, of energy, right? Solar, electric, and, and so forth. So I think there's going to be a huge ripple effect um, that we'll definitely need to follow. And I think it'll be beyond, you know, being a programmer and what does tech mean for my job, but actually looking at those, you know, kind of, I, I don't want to call it like a byproduct or a side effect, but there's going to be a ton of industries that are going to be impacted and you'll need to be reskilled to be able to then service in those areas, right? Instead of pumping mm -hmm. gas, it'll be electric and some of those other things, wind energy and, and solar and just the different things that can be powered by that and how will they be powered and how will they need to be maintained? You'll probably need to be skilled to do that as well. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on my show today. Before I let you go, uh, is there any last piece of advice you want to leave the listeners with? Last piece of advice, I would say always stay hungry, stay a student of life, but enjoy it along the way. I think there's a lot of positives with the changes that are coming. I would say look forward to being a part of that 
positive narrative uh, by, you know, just taking a, you know, a skill every now and again, taking up a little skill, learning some things um, here or there. There's plenty of programs out there. Um, I think that you can be directed towards. So I would say stay a student. And um, that would be my, my last advice on that. Great. Thank you so much uh, for everything. This was really, really insightful, very informative. <laughs> Thank you, Gabby. Check out the Notorious SHE website for links to resources relating to today's episode. Thanks again for joining us, everyone. As always, I'm Gabby Hall, and this is Notorious SHE.